Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network. Although this is not illegal, it is somewhat unethical because, again, it's blurring the lines between medical practice and insurance coverage. Welcome to the Healthcare Matters Podcast podcast that pulls back the curtain to help you make sense of complex healthcare economics and policy issues. As always, I'm joined by the always informed Dr. Robert Popovian, joining us from California. He's a pharmacist, an economist, and the chief science policy offer at GHLF. And up the coast in Seattle, Washington is my partner, the incomparable Connor Mertens, who is an outstanding patient advocate and community outreach manager who works also at Global Healthy Living Foundation. As you know, you're joining us. Our big purpose is to help you understand, to simplify the complexities in the healthcare, economics, and policy issues. These things are affecting you and patients all around the country every day. Robert's the expert. In fact, he's one of the few people who studied and published both clinical and policy-related economic analysis on these important issues. And you know what? Connor does a much more important thing than I do, which is brings it to the human level as he helps people with chronic diseases be more understood by loved ones and everyone, elected officials, policymakers, employers, government, and so on. Robert, this week, we're, we got a really interesting topic. I want to chat about some harmful practices providers do that kind of blur the line between medical practice and insurance coverage. In fact, maybe a little bit of malpractice. One thing that providers are doing are offering incentives, cash incentives or otherwise, for patients to switch medications or switch treatment plans. How can this be a harmful practice? Well, in general, it starts blurring the lines between medical practice and insurance coverage. And that's not what we want for patients. Most recently was related to the insurance company Cigna, where they sent solicitations to providers, physicians primarily, to switch patients from one medicine to another and the patient would receive the $500 debit card if they agree to an alternative payment treatment. Uniformly, any patient on this medication is enticed to switch if they are stable on their current treatment. Disturbingly, this attempt to lure patients by providing them with a one-time payment blurs the line between insurance coverage and medical practice. Robert, what is driving these decisions for these providers to offer incentives? It's really making money. In the United States, we've had this ruse that formularies, which are basically a list of medications that the insurance company chooses to cover, are devised based on clinical data and have been peddled for far too long that they are actually based on medical data. This latest scheme is another reminder that we have a broken system that takes advantage of the most vulnerable patients because what the insurance companies do is by peddling this type of incentives, what they're doing is they're padding their own bottom line because by switching these patients to a different drug, they're going to make more money off of rebates, fees, and everything else that they collect from the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, I think about the patient who might be a little bit behind on rent, and then all of a sudden they're offered $500 to try a new medication that their doctor is telling them to do. It gets you a little worried for those that are underserved and maybe their vulnerabilities. What are the negative outcomes for patients who go through this? We know the importance of adherence to treatments and adherence to medications. What are the negative outcomes? Well, you hit it right on the head. It's medication adherence. That's the number one thing that we need to make sure because if a medication is not taken by the patient, any incentives in the marketplace that would create non-adherence, which we know they would in this case with peddling this scheme, will 
negatively affect the patient because ultimately the patient will stop taking their medicine for one reason or another. I'll give you an example. Let's say if you receive this incentive for the debit card and unknowingly you ask your physician to switch you and you are switched because the physician wants to do what's right for you and is also concerned about your out-of-pocket costs and everything else related to your pharmaceuticals. When he's switching you, you don't know what the effect of this medicine is going to be. Remember, this is a brand new medicine. This is not a generic substitution or a biosimilar substitution, which are practically the same drugs. These are drugs that perhaps have the same effectiveness within the therapeutic area, but they're not the exact drugs. So by you being switched, you may have negative consequences such as side effects or lack of efficacy, and you may end up back in the hospital back in the physician's office, or you may stop taking your medicines, period. And that's not what we want for patients to happen. We want to make sure that they're adherent with their therapies. Well, when we're talking about patients that live with chronic disease, especially patients that live with chronic disease, having a stable medication that works for you is vital to everyday success and getting through your day. When we think about an abrupt change to a, a medication that you're already stable on, $500 incentive can be added up pretty quickly in ER costs when that medication doesn't work for you or negative health outcomes down the line. Is that something that you see? Exactly. That's what you will end up seeing. And at the end of the day, if you're really serious about helping patients, instead of doing these gimmicky type of incentives that are one-time payments, why don't you set up a system that's going to help patients save money over a long period of time, over time that they're going to be on their therapies? What the PBMs, the pharmacy benefit managers and insurers do is they continuously peddle this data that the average per capita out-of-pocket spending for biopharmaceuticals has dropped. And that is a true data point that they use. Unfortunately, averages are deceiving. As patients who are older, under, or uninsured, or are living with complex diseases, folks that GHLF sort of represents and you work with every day, find that they are significantly burdened with the out-of-pocket costs. So instead of doing this gimmicky stuff, which is a, maybe a one-time windfall without unknown consequences, why don't we change the system where all of the rebates and fees and discounts that have been negotiated on the behalf of the patients are directly passed to the patient at the point of sale? Currently, the model doesn't work because when the patient shows up in the pharmacy counter, their out-of-pocket cost when they have a coinsurance or a deductible is based on the retail price of a medicine which is an inflated price. It's not the price that the insurer pays or the pharmacy benefit manager pays. And they end up paying significantly more out of pocket than they should. And insurers know this because they've done their own studies that demonstrate that they certainly are able to do this if they are willing to pass on the savings at the point of sale to the patient. In one study that Optum, which is a part of United Healthcare, did, patients would save an average of $130 per prescription. That's a lot of money over a 12-month period, far more than a $500 debit card, which is a one-time windfall for the patient. And I think that we're getting into the nitty-gritty here, and this is really important to me. As you know, I think it's super important for us to identify what the problem is, but the next step is how do we fix it and how do we combat it? So Robert, how can we combat these practices? What's being done currently to curb these practices? It's education. It's not a legal issue to entice patients to be switched from one drug to another. And this enticement is going directly to the patient as a windfall. There's no denying that we need to address the healthcare cost dilemma also with these patients because they are 
burdened with the out-of-pocket costs. But it's a small number of folks that are hurting who are on specific type of medicines. And for many patients, they cannot ignore this $500 because it pays for rent, food, and car payment, and it's impossible for them to ignore it. However, although this is not illegal, it is somewhat unethical because, again, it's blurring the lines between medical practice and insurance coverage. Effectively taking out the attention to effectiveness in the treatment. Exactly. Well, it's taking that out. And it's obliterating the patient and provider relationship, and it's providing the wrong policy solution. Nobody denies we need to help these patients, but this is not the way to do it. There are better ways to do it that will save them significantly more money from their out-of-pocket costs, and at the end of the day, would not put them in a difficult position where they have to ask their physician or their pharmacist or any other provider to make a clinical judgment that they may not foresee to be in the best interest of the patient. Well, that's fascinating, Robert. And as always, it seems a lot of this boils down to transparency in the system and making sure that patients are put first. As always, I love getting your perspective as the last word here. What do you think patients need to know? Well, they need to be educated, number one. And the education starts with making sure they understand that for far too long, insurers and the pharmacy benefit managers have peddled this idea that formularies, which are the list of drugs that are covered, are being covered based on price and medical efficacy. That is not the case. They're being covered because they provide higher number of dollars in rebates and fees to the insurers and the pharmacy benefit managers. So that's number one is education. The number two thing is to advocate and patients need to do this because every patient is an advocate and they need to be an advocate for the system and for themselves to advocate, to change the model where instead of the insurers and the pharmacy benefit managers pocketing all of the savings that they get through concessions, rebates, discounts, fees from the pharmaceutical industry. And instead of pocketing that, or at least pocketing a huge percentage of that, to pass all of that along to the patient at the point of sale, when they show up at the pharmacy counter. We do this for every other segment of the healthcare system. And you've heard me say this several times. You show up to your dentist, you show up to your optometrist, your physician's office, your payment for your coinsurance or deductible is based on price that's been negotiated on your behalf by the insurer. That is not the case for biopharmaceuticals. When you show up in the pharmacy counter and you have a coinsurance or deductible, your payment is based on an inflated retail price of medicine that no one pays in the marketplace unless you're uninsured. And certainly the pharmacy benefit managers and insurers don't pay that price. We hope that you learned something too. We'd love to hear from you. Send your email to healthcarematters at ghlf.org or better yet, include a short video or audio clip. And who knows, whatever you share may be included in our listener feedback portion of future episodes. Thanks for listening to Healthcare Matters, a podcast that pulls back the curtain to help you make sense of complex healthcare, economic, and policy issues. If you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave an honest five-star rating and a positive review. And wherever you're listening, click the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. He's Dr. Robert Popovian. And he's Connor Mertens. We'll see you all next time. Be inspired, supported, and empowered. 
This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network. Thank you.